Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew, the sixth chapter. How many believe in God with me this evening? This is our last uh, session during these services and meetings. And I I believe we've gone the right way, don't you? I really do. I believe we heard from the Lord and we've gone the right way. You know, when, when the Lord speaks to us through His Word and by His Spirit, it's an awesome thing. We take it for granted sometimes because we get so much good input and we hear so much good ministry. But uh, we need to realize that there are times that uh, when people are yielding to the Spirit and we're all yielding to the Spirit and listening, God is talking. <laughs> Amen. He's talking from His Word and by His Spirit. And uh, everybody ought to be listening. I mean, from the one doing the speaking from the podium ought to be listening. How many understand? Uh, ministers know this. God talks to you while you speak. That's right. <laughs> now, there's been times when I was speaking and I, I tried to keep a straight face, but man, when I got through, I had to go fall across the bed and go, Oh, God. <laughs> I was talking to myself the whole time. Amen. And... Uh, we need all kinds of ministry. And uh, when the Lord deals with you about something that might be corrective, it's because He desires for you to come up to a higher place. And He doesn't want you to miss anything. And it's been some of that in these things. Matthew 6, are you there? Let's read verse 32. Matthew six thirty-two. How many want me to hurry up and, and, and not take too much time? Or, or be careful and not miss anything. Which one would you rather, rather that I do? All right. Well, I got, I got a few people don't want me to miss anything. All right. Verse 32, he had been talking about what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, natural needs and things of this life. And he said, after all these kinds of things, do the Gentiles seek... The world seeks this, the world system, the unsaved. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's say that out loud again together. Verse 33. But seek ye first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Say it again. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Does this apply to us? Should we look at it carefully? Is there a danger of us pursuing something else? Is there a danger of being preoccupied with all these natural needs and things? Then He's talking to us, me, right now. Amen? Say it one more time. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We've uh, titled these teachings... The first principle. And the first principle of the Christian life, of success, of victory, 
success in ministry, success in life, is seeking God first. Putting His things first. Easier said than done. A lot of Christians know that verse and can quote it and would say amen loud when you say it. But they're not doing it. When you come down to analyzing, like we've said, what you spend your time on, what you spend your effort on, what you spend your money on, your resources, if you're honest, you'd have to admit the kingdom is not my major priority. It is not my first and foremost pursuit. People like to think that it is. They like to pretend that it is. But look at your accounts. Look at how you spend your time. Look at it. Amen. And be honest with yourself. And nobody has arrived in this and can't develop and grow anymore. (laughs) And a lot of folk are not even started good. They're not even trying. So we need to stir up and purpose in our heart. I am in this new year and in this new decade. And however how long the Lord would tarry is coming before I finish my course. Seek God first. Put him first. Give him the first and the best of what I am and what I have, not the leftovers. Amen. See, people do it all the time. Give God the scraps. They spend their first and best and most strength. They wake up in the morning and when they're most aware and when, uh, as they go through the day, their first and best strength, they spend it on some natural pursuit or some personal hobby or desire or whatever. They spend all of it on that. And sometimes at 11.30 at night and it's time to go to bed and they're sleepy, well, we need to give God a few minutes. Those are the leftovers. That's right. Those are the scraps That's right. of your time and also with money. People do, you know, they take care of their house and their insurance and their cars and the clothes and the thing I always wanted and, and this and that. And then say, well, you know, we need to give the Lord something. Well, all I've got is this $10. Handouts. I shouldn't say handouts. Scraps. Leftovers is what I was trying to say. Leftovers. Now, if anybody takes the leftovers, it ought to be us. After we gave him the best. Amen. We give him the first and the best. And then the thing is, once you do that, what you've got left is going to be blessed. He's going to increase and prosper and bless what's left. One individual said, I believe it was Martin Luther, said some years ago that uh, he made this statement. He said, I have so much to do today, I think I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. (laughs) Now that's interesting, isn't it? I have so much to do today. See, he he had wisdom and understanding that many have never even glimpsed. The more you've got going, the, the more you need to spend time with God for wisdom and grace and strength. But all, you know, 99 times out of 100, folk don't do that. They, if they're really busy, they begin to cut off. Well, I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to read the Word. I'm too busy to praise God. I'm too busy to go to church this week. I've got too much going on. Big mistake. You're violating the first principle. I know years ago when I was going to Ramah, uh, on a Saturday, 
Some things had come up. A guy, I needed to do some things with some of our, Phyllis and my things. We had put off all week and uh, had this free day and I need to do it. A friend of mine had called and he needed some work done on his car. And he and I were working on our own stuff. We didn't have a lot of extra money to do anything else. He wanted me to come help him. And, and so I needed to do that. And there were like three or four other things I needed to get done. So, you know, you would think, man, get up early and hit it because you got a whole day full of things. Well... I, I'm in school, I'm hearing and learning about spiritual principles, and, and I woke up and I thought, well, I, you know, I better put God first at least a minute or two here, and I, I, I got in a place and prayed for just a minute. I thought, well, I, you know, I'll pray a couple of minutes and then I'll be gone. Well, as I began to pray, I wait on the Lord, the Lord dealt with me, checked me, wait just a little bit. And everything about your flesh is going, <laughs> I've got stuff to do, I've got people to see and places to go, you know. Your flesh is always that way. That's right. Always That's right. antsy and itchy and got to go. That's right. I, don't, I didn't say your brother's flesh. I said your flesh. Your, yours. Mine. Flesh is flesh. That's the nature of it. And so I, I, I wound up waiting there, you know, for 15 minutes and 20 minutes. And, man, I'm thinking, I, 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 you know... And I, there was a little something. So you have to watch about the leadings of the Spirit. They're usually not overwhelming. You could usually easily override things. You, you have to take a moment and check. And so I, I did. I, uh, I, and I just kept having this little thing. Not, I didn't hear an audible voice. I, I wasn't having any hot flashes or cold flashes or anything. Just this, this little sense. Just stay here a little bit. Just wait on me. I, well... Okay, so I prayed a little bit more and praised God a little bit more. And man, I've been here nearly an hour, and I'm thinking, oh man, I got, I got stuff to do. The Lord, check me. Just stay right here. Just stay right here. Well, I wind up. Make a long story short, stand there about three hours. And your head's telling you, you've just blown it, man. You just messed your day up. But about that time, the phone rang, and somebody had taken care of the thing that I thought I was going to have to do. Amen. What I thought was going to take three or four hours is already done. Amen. Well, glory to God. Well, I just go over and help my friend. About that time he called and said something else had worked out and it was better than he thought and he had some other help from another place and uh, not to bother. It's taken care of. Amen. And about three of the main, four main things, done. And the one thing that I did need to do I had wisdom and grace to do it, and did it didn't take half the time I thought it would do. Amen. Did you hear what Martin Luther said? Amen. I have so much to do today. I think I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Amen. Not natural thinking. Not natural thinking. Not the thinking of most Christians. But is there a principle here that if you put him first... I'm not saying you have to spend three hours in prayer every day. I'm not saying that. But if the Lord checks you and says, now just hold on, just stay right here, what should you do? Just stay right there. Yeah, but I've got to clean the house. Yeah, but I've got to do this. Yeah, but I've got to do the other. What's first in your life? Do you realize how many times people told, told the Lord no because they wanted to sleep? Or they told the Lord no because they wanted to clean house? Or they told the Lord no, I don't have time for you because they want to watch TV? It happens all the time. And he's not mad at at folk. He's not against people. People are just missing things. They're missing out. Missing out. 
And when things come up, they're not ready. If we would always listen, we would always be ready. If we would always hear and take heed, we'd always be prepared. We'd never be taken aback or caught off guard. And we've all made mistakes in these areas. Man, not a one of us hadn't missed it in this area. But let's don't be content to just miss it all the time. Let's grow. Let's grow. And let's in our hearts just set that God is first. Not the job, not the house, not even the family, not myself. God is first. His things are first. And if we put Him first, the other things just have an amazing way of working out. Right. Thank you, Lord. Well, without reading the other scriptures, or taking the time, well, no, no, let's just read it. Let's just read it. Luke 4, you, te- you told me you wasn't in a hurry. Is that right? Especially after that little comment. So. Luke 14. I know uh, I've had the privilege of working with Brother Kenneth Hagin for, I guess, 19 years now. And uh, what a privilege it has been and is, continues to be. Uh, learned so much. And um, he's an excellent teacher and leader and uh, doesn't always mince words about things. <laughs> I know in one camp meeting a number of years ago, he called me up to do something at the end of the service. He said, Keith, you got something? I nodded, yeah. And he said, come on up. Do it. And I came up. And I exhorted some on uh, not moving too fast and waiting on God and sang a song and did a thing or two. And, and uh, I, uh, you, you want to have a heart, and I've always leaned this way. You don't want to take anything away from anybody or any time, or especially in a service. You don't want to uh, take something a different way if it's somebody else's service. And so I've had a tendency to, you know, try to wrap it up pretty quick and not, not just go on and... And so I, uh, I kind of, you know, did that little thing, and then I, I walked off the platform, went back and sat down, and I'm just about to my seat, and he says, Keith, I turned around, he said, did you get through? And I checked my heart, and I had something else, and I said, no, and he said, well, won't you come on back up here and practice what you preach then? <laughs> <laughs> we have missed it most of the time by moving too fast MTF syndrome I call it (laughs) talking too fast answering too fast committing too fast did you hear me Uh, one of the one of the things that has me in awe of God about as much as any other thing about his character and person is his patience. God's patience is absolutely incredible. It's incredible. 
uh, I have, we've had situations where we've dealt with people before that weren't acting right, weren't living right. You tell them 12 times what, you know, the right thing to do, and they ignored it and just messed around and this and that. And, and uh, your patience is gone. And you talk to God's, and His has barely started. And people see folk that are messing up and maybe causing problems and maybe really being a, a, causing a rift and being a problem. And you think, well, God, you know, how long are you going to put up with that? Why don't you do that? And He's not even half ready to judge them. And your patience was gone last week. But you better be glad he's that way. Because not only is he that way with them, he's that way with you too. You know, where faith is concerned. The uh, the faith we have is a measure of his own faith. And it it operates exactly with him like it does with us. He created the worlds by faith. He does all that he does by faith. And that's the same faith we walk in. Now, not quite the same measure as him. I hadn't created any planets yet, have you? But, I mean, faith will do that. Amen. If you've got enough of it. Amen. So, if, you know, if he can create planets, you should be able to get your kidney fixed. Amen. 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 What do you mean? How did he do it? He said, light be. This be. This be. So you just rear back and speak to that kidney and say, kidney, behold. Be fixed, work right, I command you, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And any other body part. Faith works exactly the same. But the problem is that it doesn't just take faith, it takes faith and patience. And the greater the faith, the greater the patience. There's a lot of folk can get down on their knees and ask for and claim the sun, moon, and stars, but standing until it comes to pass is another thing. A lot of folk can believe God for three days. But when it doesn't happen on the fourth day, they start wilting and fading. Well, I wonder why it hadn't happened. Well, I guess maybe it just wasn't supposed to be. Well, da da da. But think about God. We've read it in the Word. God will say, It shall be thus and so. And sure enough, thousands of years later, it happens. His patience is incredible. It's amazing. And so when you get close to Him and you walk with Him, you've you got to leave the rush behind. You get in His presence, He is timeless. He was, and He is, and He is to come. <laughs> he is peace itself. Amen. Had a fellow some years ago come to healing school. He wanted to learn about healing school, and he got permission. And he followed because I was teaching healing school. And he followed me around for a week, everywhere I went. He was my shadow. And about three days into it, I went into the office and I sat down and he looked at me and he said, man, he said, if you were any more laid back, you'd be in a coma. <laughs> because he was really, he was a wiry guy. I mean, he was, come on, come on, two phones and a fax machine and a microwave and a drive through Let's do it. Let's get it done. Let's go, go, go. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ooh, I didn't mean to say all of that, but it did. Nonetheless, are you there in Luke 14? Let's read this. Jesus said, Luke 14, verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And he goes on talking about counting the cost. He's not talking about hating people in the sense that a lot of times folk think because we, we have other scriptures that tell us if you hate your brother, you're a murderer and you don't have eternal life abiding in you. We're commanded to love everybody, including our kin folks. <laughs> Amen. But what's it, what does he mean here? We, if you were with us previously, we talked about that this is a relative thing. This is a comparative thing. Uh, it has to do with detesting or despising. And the reason being that uh, anything, whether it would be father or mother or sister or brother, or your own self that would get in the way of you following God and obeying God, you need to despise it. Amen? Even your own feelings, your own dreams, your own aspirations, your own close family or friends, anybody or anything that gets in the way of you doing the full will of God and being totally committed and seeking Him first, you ought to detest it, despise it. And he goes on to say in verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. And he goes on talking about being salty. And we're spicy, salty Christians. That means committed, sold out, going all the way, holding nothing back. Christians, that's us. Remember the, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth. He wants to show himself strong. For who? For who? On behalf of those whose heart is perfect. That word means complete. It means wholehearted. That's what it means. Who's God able to move through and far mightily? Those who are sold out. Those who are holding nothing back. We begin talking about how practically we can seek first the kingdom of God. How do we do this? And we said, number one, we, we need to watch our what? Time. And two people that was with me. I got those more of y'all were, were here. <laughs> what's, what's one major way that you can look and check up on to see that you're seeking first the kingdom of God? Your time. What do you spend your time on? Secondly, we talked about with your pursuits. What do you pursue? And we talked about your own life versus his life. And the fact that you are dead. Right. Amen. And you need to die to all of this. Remember, what, what, don't forget this one now. Never, ever, never, never, ever, never under any circumstances, on any occasion, for any reason, do what? Feel sorry, Feel sorry for yourself. It's always wrong. It's always sin. I say sin, isn't that a little strong? Sin. Romans 14, 23. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And when you're walling around in self-pity, you are not in faith. Amen. It's sin. Especially the him that knows to do good 
And doeth it not? To him it is sin. When you know better and you just get your box of Kleenexes anyway and pull the blinds and, and, and roll over there and cry and carry on and walk around with a cloud over your head for days, you are being a sinner. You don't need a pat on the back. You need to hit the floor and repent and pray through and get right with God because you're yielding to the enemy and you know better. This is a faith bunch. A victory bunch. Amen. You shout when it don't look good. You shout when it doesn't feel good. Amen. You shout through the tears, through the fears, through the goosebumps. Just shout anyway. And expect it to change. Well, here's number uh, number three we talked about last night. Is you seek God first with your what? Your possessions. Your stuff. Uh, the scripture talks about honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Put him first with your things. We talked about tithing and all those things. And I, if you weren't here, I know you would have enjoyed it. You would have been excited. You'd probably shouted. Uh, I'm sorry you missed it. But here's number four. Number four this evening, concluding with this. How do you seek first the kingdom of God with your obedience? With your obedience in following Him. Turn with me to John, the 14th chapter, please. John 14. Turn there if you would. Take the time. Turn there. Find it. John 14. The world's way of thinking is wrong. And yet, so much of the world's thinking has crept in the church. And just because you're saved does not mean you think right. That's right. Just because you've been saved for years doesn't mean you think right. That's, right. That's why we are not, our minds need to be renewed. Yes. And here's an area that we need some renewal. John 14 and verse 15. John 14, 15. Jesus is talking. He said, if you love me, then tell me so frequently. Because that's the main thing. Huh? Verse 21. He that tells me frequently that he loves me is he that loves me. Huh? No. Skip on down to verse 24. You may not do what I say... But if you tell me you love me, I know you really do. <clears throat> huh? I must be reading the wrong, the wrong thing here. No, the reason I say this is because uh, what he is saying here, most people do not agree with. They do not believe. They don't believe it's the way to talk and act. Because he said, if you love me, you will do what I say. And if you don't do what I say, then you don't love me. Most people don't believe that. They don't believe that's right. They think, uh-uh. That's not right to say that unless I do what you say, I don't love you. But the world is wrong. 
And Jesus is right. How do we know if you love the Lord? Let's back up. 14, 15. John 14, 15. Let me read read it right this time. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Isn't that what we're hungry for? The manifestation of God, the manifest presence and glory and power of God. One translation says, I'll let myself be clearly seen by Him. I'll make myself real to Him. I'll show myself to Him. I want that. I want that. What's the key to it? Doing what He told us to do. Right? Doing what He told us to do. In the... uh, 24th verse, he that loves me not keeps not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Verse 31, verse 31, he applied it to himself, and he said that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Jesus said, this is how the world is going to know that I, Jesus, love the Father. How? By doing what he told me to do. And when it came to the cross, his being recoiled from it. And he prayed in the garden and sweat blood and said, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But how do we know he loves the Father? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. No, telling someone you love them is great and good, but it is not the acid test of love. Are you with me? No. Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I say. If you do not do what I say, you do not love me. And this is something that has never sunk in, it has never, you know, gotten into Christians, because they're thinking, well, you know, I, I know I hadn't done what he told me to do, and I know that uh, I've made so many mistakes and I've done this, but, but I love the Lord. I love him with all my heart, and he knows that. No, <laughs> he knows that if you don't do what he tells you to do, you're just talk. And your words of I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, and even though you sang it for 15 minutes, it does not mean much. Are you with me now? The test is when he tells you to do a thing. If you love him, you will do it. Everybody said out loud, if I love him, I will do it. Now, we're talking about what he told us in the word. He talks to us through the word. He also talks to us by His Spirit. In prayer, in walking and talking and doing the things of life through our ministers, whatever, we can hear Him by His Spirit and we hear Him by His Word. But it's not always convenient to obey. Have you discovered this? And God needs you and wants you when He needs you. Not when it's convenient for you. 
And oftentimes when he calls on you to do a thing, it is for his people. And they need you when they need you, not when it's convenient for you. And have you ever found that so many times when he deals with you to do a thing for his people, for his church, for his works, it is not convenient. It's two in the morning and they're a long ways off. Or he dealt with you to give something and it's not a good time. We've got other things going on. But not once have I ever had the Lord ask me, preface anything by saying, Keith, is this a good time? (laughs) I never remember ever him saying anything about that. And I do, though, remember many times when he dealt with me to do a thing and it just wasn't a good time for it. Naturally speaking, it was just, I was busy, I had a lot of things going on, I didn't have a lot of extra money, but this is what it's all about. Do you know why there was a tree in the garden of the knowledge of good and evil? Why couldn't God just left the thing out? (laughs) We'd all be there, happy and hallelujah. No curse, no junk. God, couldn't you just left the tree out? I mean, if the tree hadn't been there, they couldn't have blown it. Why the tree? Why the tree? Because you and I are not angels. We're of a higher class of being. We are not robots. We are not automatons. We have been given a free will. And the only way that you can have true love and true obedience and true submission and all these other things is if you've got a choice. That you can stay or you can walk. You can do it or no. If you have no choice, there cannot be true love. There cannot be true faith, true commitment, true trust, true obedience. There's got to be a choice. Well, we're not in the garden. We're not looking at the tree, but we got a choice too. Amen. Amen. All the time, we have a choice. And anytime the Lord deals with us to do a thing, He tells us in the Word, or He leads us by His Spirit, there will be five devils and eight people that will have ideas why we ought to do something else. Amen. And there will be any number of things we could do instead of that. And the enemy is a master, I probably should say the master. He is the master of distraction. And if he knows that in your heart you really want to do the work of God and you really want to serve God, then he won't just blatantly try to get you to say, no, I'm not going to serve God. What he will try to get you to do is procrastinate and do something else instead right now. We'll get to it tomorrow. But what we're going to do this right now. And then tomorrow it'll be something else. And then next week it'll be something else. And you look up six months and you ain't done the will of God. He said, well, but Lord, I love you. No, you don't. You love you. You love what you want to do. Or something else. We, we, We need to look at the word very honestly and openly. Amen. It's like this one. People say, well, you know, so and so, um, uh, you know, he's got a lot of problems. He, he'll lie to you. Man, he'll steal from you. 
Uh, you got to watch him. But, but he's got a good heart. <laughs> Nuh-uh. <laughs> no. All of these things are the product of the inner man. Whatever condition you're in. I mean, this body doesn't operate on its own. It's just a suit. <laughs> and what's in is coming out. No. And so, the, for, you know, to run after this and run after that and always be preoccupied. But God is everything in my life. I just never have time for him, but he's everything to me. You're confused and deceived. And it's not true. But I, I love the Lord. He knows I love him. No, he knows that if you don't do what he tells you to do, then you don't love him. He said it. It's true. Don't shout at the same time. John 21, please turn there. John 21. Here's a good thought, friends. You ready for a good thought right about now? <laughs> Here's a good thought. The, if you didn't have a certain amount of maturity and a certain amount of uh, faith and vision and heart and love, the Lord would not have let me come and teach you these things these days. Amen. He wouldn't have. Amen. He wouldn't have just talked to you about these things uh, and for you to be responsible for him when he know, knew you wouldn't do anything with it and weren't at the place where you could handle it. This is good news. You're not, you're not just Ned and the first reader. <laughs> you may be Ted and the second reader by now. <laughs> you know, understand what I'm saying? This, isn't it? See, the, Lord, the, the Lord can't tell some things and deal with some things with folk that are just baby, baby, babies. Can't. No need in trying to get into some things with two-year-olds. They can't relate. They wouldn't have a clue what you're talking about or know what to do with it. But so when the Lord starts talking to you about more serious things and more involved and in-depth things, you ought to look up and go, "Hey, hey, <laughs> we must have grown at least some." Amen. And he, and he obviously has some really good plans for us. Some really good things out ahead of us. John 21, let's read this. Everybody focus on this. Give this your attention for a minute now. Verse 1. After these things, this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. He showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Seven guys. Simon Peter said to them, I go a fishing. <laughs> and they say to him, we also go with thee. We're going to go too. <laughs> so they went forth. And of course you knew they talked just like this, right? <laughs> He walked in and said, I go a-fishing. And they all chimed at once and said, and we go with thee also. <laughs> no, they didn't even speak English. 
Must last a little beefing. But we're getting the idea. <laughs> but there's more to this than just the casual I go a fishing. Uh, there are a number of things here. Why would this be recorded like this? You must understand that they've been through a lot. They have walked with Jesus and traveled with him. They were his crusade team, you might say, for three and a half years. They have heard the best teaching and preaching imaginable. We read about it. And they have seen the most amazing miracles. They've seen people raised from the dead. They've seen demoniacs delivered. They've seen it. They've heard it, the wonder and glory of God. And at the height of it, they saw Jesus get taken by the authorities. And they were confused. They wanted to stand, but they didn't know what was going on. And they saw him die. And they were bewildered and confused totally. Didn't, I mean, Jesus was their life. Everything revolved around him. And now he's gone. So naturally you would sit around and think, what now? Well, they were confused, they were scared, but in this previous chapter, he rose from the dead. The women saw him. They came and told the men. And Peter and John ran back and saw the empty tomb. And then Jesus appeared to them in the room and told Thomas, you know, put forth your hand and, and my side and your finger in my hand and don't be faithless but believing. And So they see and they know that he is raised from the dead and they were ecstatic and excited, but then he disappeared And they don't really know what's happening now. Now before Jesus came along, they were very successful professional fishermen. Commercial fishermen. They made a good living for themselves and for the families. Well now that Jesus is not here and there are no more meetings and no more crusades, what would you think? You might start thinking about going pulling the nets out. Right? And getting the boat. And he says, fellas, we've been sitting around here for days, said, I'm going to go fishing. Now, they're not just talking about, you know, sitting on the pier with a, a pole. <laughs> they used to launching out with the nets, raking in a big haul, making some money. Guys, let's go catch some fish. Let's go make some money. And they said, we're going. Now, we're with you. Let's go. And the Bible says, they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night, was when they they usually fished at night like that, they caught nothing. (laughs) It could be that they're kind of thinking about going back into their former uh, profession. Could be. But they, they caught nothing. Listen to me, friends. You cannot go back. I said you cannot go back. Once you've stepped out and launched out with the Lord and you've tasted and seen that He is good and you've experienced His power and His blessing, never can you go back. You might try, but it won't work. And you can't. I've had ministers tell me, close friends of mine, that when they were, they were in duress, and I remember one guy told me, he said, man, he said, 
I ain't going to take all this. He was having trouble in the church. He said, I used to could make money hand over fist as a businessman. I, I'll, I'll just go do this. I'll go get back in business. I can do it. I said, not necessarily. <laughs> Maybe it went great because you were in the will of God when, at that time. And that's all God was requiring of you. But you've come from that. You've done something to think you can go back and it be like it was. You cannot go back. Your people, that they made commitments and then they got disillusioned and they're going to turn around and go back home and, and move in with this crowd or get back in with their old friends and do what they used to. It is not going to work. You've changed. Time has changed. Things have changed. It will not be the same. You cannot go back. I said you cannot go back. There are realms of application here, but but you cannot go back. They're fishing and fishing and caught nothing. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. They just saw a man standing on the bank. And Jesus yelled to them, Children, or, or we might say boys, did you catch anything? Got any fish? They said, no. He said to them, well, uh, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fish. I mean, just like that. (laughs) They threw the nets, and boom, full of fish. So many fish, they're tugging on it and can't get it in. Well, they've seen this before. (laughs) They have seen this before. And verse 7 says, The disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> now who do we know that is? That's that John. He, he, uh, you think he couldn't even write John or something. He's the one that Jesus loved. So he's writing this thing. He can write any way he wants to, you know. The one that Jesus loved said to Peter. He said, Peter, <laughs> it's the Lord. That's the Lord. And when Simon heard that, that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat to him, for he was naked. Uh, That might just mean he was in his underwear. And he did cast himself into the sea. (laughs) Hey, just a bunch of guys out fishing, okay? Some things don't change. Verse 8. Look, I'm reading scripture here, okay? That's what it said. And the other disciples came in a little ship. Peter, I mean, when he, when he looked up and he, he saw that catch and, he, and John said, That's the Lord. I mean, he just jumped in and swam for the bank. The other disciples came in a little ship. For they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the yet broken. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of his disciples durst ask him, Who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. 
So when they had dined, they're all sitting around the fire, eating fish and bread, just ecstatic. This is one who was dead a few days ago and is alive in a glorified body. Amazing. The one they love with all their hearts. And they're sitting there and they're eating. They're full of fish and bread and satisfied and happy that Jesus is there. And Jesus leaned over to Peter and he said, uh, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Now that's an interesting question. Do you love me more than these? Why would, why would there be a comparative? We've got two things, two things on this site here. You got the men, the guys, and you got a big pile of fish. Is that right? So we have to pick from them as to what these is. And the application would work both ways. Now as we go through and read this, you'll find that he asked him this question three times. And it wasn't all that long ago that Jesus was talking to them before he was crucified. And he said, all of you are going to deny me this night. And Peter said, I won't. He went on to say, I don't care if all these do. I won't. And he tried to say that he was more committed than they were. But when it came down to it, he didn't follow through. He couldn't follow through. And I think he fully intended to die with Jesus if need be. I mean, when it all started going down, he whipped out his blade and started slicing. <laughs> he, he was ready. He was packing and he was ready to use it. But when Jesus had put up his sword, and this cup, you know, this before him that he had to drink, he could not understand what was happening. And he got disillusioned and confused and finally ran. But now, there's, and you know, this is still very fresh in his mind. That the Lord, and this hasn't been that many days ago, that the Lord went through all this and he ran. And then when he was put to the... The test and question, you know, weren't you one of his disciples to say no? No, I don't even know him. And you know that, I mean, this is, this is God. He's got to be thinking about this at night. Right? And for the Lord to look at him now and say, Simon, do you love me more than these? And, of course, it could apply to the fish, too. Maybe Simon's thinking about he's going to go fish now. We're going to get back into fishing business. And he says, do you love me more than this? Because the rest of it, Simon said, uh, Lord, you know I love you. So the Lord said to him, feed my lambs. Now that will be real clear right there. No more fishing. Maybe a little recreational in one afternoon, but no no commercial fishing. You got a job. Feed my lambs. He said to him again. You know, you know, you understand Peter's probably sitting there thinking about that. Hmm. Whew. Lord leaned over again and said, Simon, yeah? Do you love me? He said, uh, yeah, Lord. You know I love you. 
He said, well, then feed my sheep. If you love me, do what I tell you. Feed my sheep. So he's sitting there thinking about that. Fire's crackling. Somebody's still eating a piece of fish. Thinking, whoa, two times. Lord leaned over to him again and said, Simon, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, he thought, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. If you love me, do do what I tell you right now. He said, when you were young, you gird yourself and you walked whether you would. But when you're old, you'll stretch forth your hands and another will gird you and carry you whether you would not. He spoke this signifying what death he should glorify God. And, and then he spoke to him and he said, follow me. Follow me. How do we seek first the kingdom of God? By obeying him and following him. Follow me. And when he said that, now get this, they're all sitting around the fire. And when, when he said that, Peter looked around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because <laughs> you know John wrote that too. <laughs> and he said, uh, and John was leaning, he's the one that leaned his head on Jesus' breast at the supper, you know, the last supper. And the one that asked the Lord about who was betraying him. Peter saw him and he said, "Uh, Jesus, what about John? What about him? I mean, you're asking me, do I love you? Do I love you? And feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And this is how you're going to go. What about John? Jesus said to him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what's that to you? Follow thou me. Follow me. Now, this is so applicable to us. Right now. There are all kinds of things that would distract us from following him and doing what he told us to do. And in the midst of that, people oftentimes get their eyes on other people. About what they're doing. And get distracted. Well, well, Lord, why aren't you telling them to do that? Well, he says, what is that to you? What is it to you? That's plain enough, isn't it? What he told them to do or didn't tell them to do, whether they're doing what he told them or not, what is it to you? You follow me. You follow me. It's not up to us to tell the Lord how we're, how we're going to serve him. It's not to us to tell him how to heal us. Or how to prosper us. Or how to meet our needs. This, this has been an area where, the word and, where some word and faith folk have erred. We do have a right to claim what we need. We, we do have a right to believe God for prosperity and healing. We do not have a right to tell him how to do it. We do not. And yet folk have done that numerous, numerous times. In healing school, I've had people come to me. I mean, one lady came to me one day after service, and she had a list. So she came up, and, and, and it unfolded like this. And it was a list of stuff this long now that she said, this is what I needed to do for her to help her. 
I can't, you know, I, I looked at it, and it was, you, know, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to, stuff that affected me personally, and stuff that she wanted me to spend an enormous amount of time doing for her or whatever, you know, and uh, this is what you need to do to help me in, and, and get me fixed. <laughs> and uh, she said, will you do it? And I said, well, I said, if you really were so crystal clear on what you needed for you to be fixed, why would you be here trying to get help? And if you are coming to get help, do you need to have confidence in us that we can hear from God and God would use us and not tell us what to do or tell him what to do, but listen and take heed? Well, that made her mad. (laughs) Ah, that made her mad. She stomped off. But I, I, I don't know at the times that we, we prayed, we sought God about what to do, and people are telling you, well, I, I want you to do this. I want you to come do this, or I want you to minister this way, or I want you to help me this way. And I, when I first started in the ministry, I thought that the minister's job was basically to do whatever people asked you to do. You're a minister. You're a servant of the people. If they ask you to come pray all night, come pray all night. If they ask you to lay hands 40 times, go do it. You're a minister. You're a servant. You serve the people. And I about wore myself out, not getting results, until I grew enough and learned that that is not the case, and a whole lot of times people ain't got a clue what they need anyway. And that I needed to hear from God, and that by them treating me with such disrespect, they were disrespecting the Lord. And not only were they trying to tell me how to do it, but really they're trying to tell Him how to do it. How many remember Naaman? He showed up, you know, he heard about the prophet, and he came, and the prophet didn't even come out the house. This guy came from a long distance. Didn't even come out of the house. He just sent his servant down there and said, go dip in the river Jordan three times, and you'll come again clean. Seven times, excuse me. You're right. And uh, he got mad, he got upset, he got destroyed, he got wroth, the Bible said. Really hot. Why? Because he said, surely I thought. (laughs) Surely I thought that the man would come out, call on his God and strike his hand over the place and administer to me. We, we just have too many folk. We've got to watch that we're not one of them. Yes. They want to tell God what to do. And I mean, he, he squealed out of the drive and left rubber and <laughs> they're peeling down the road in his limo and it's quiet in there. Finally, one of his servants said, uh, Mr. Naaman, what? You know, we brought all this money and all this stuff and we were prepared to do big stuff if he told us to do big stuff. And He said, go dip in the river. Why don't we just do it? Finally, you know how some folk are. He, he probably said, you know what I think I may do? <laughs> what? Oh, we came all this way. I may just go over there and dip anyway. <laughs> he said, excellent idea, Mr. Naaman. 
And it was only when he did what the Lord told him to do. Did he got here? What if he had stood out there and said, No, now I come for the prophet to lay hands on me. And I know that that's what I need. He would not have been healed. And yet, I, you know, I've worked under Brother Hagin for years and years and years. And used to people would come all the time trying to get to him and wound up with me. <laughs> and you could see the disappointment. But after spending two hours with them a lot of times, I was so glad they didn't get to him because they would have just totally wasted his time. I, I was in a situation on one occasion where a fellow come in, he had traveled a long distance and he just had to get to Brother Hagin. God told him to. That was the answer. And so Brother Hagin unusually made an exception and saw him. And I was there in the speaker's room and I got up to leave when he came in to, not to bother him. And he said, no, you stay. So I sat down. And this guy starts talking. And I knew that Brother Hagin had a speaking engagement in just about an hour from then. And the guy talked and he talked and he talked and he talked and he talked. And Brother Hagin said nothing. And he talked and talked and told about all how he felt and, and what he thought and his revelations and his dreams and, and his visions and his feelings and, and his problem. He got into all of the case studies of his problem and Latin names and, and oh, on and on and on. And Brother Hagin just sat there and sat there and sat there. And finally, it was time for him to go speak. And he got up very politely and said, excuse me, I have an engagement. And he left. And after the first ten minutes, I, I didn't say a word, but I'm sitting there thinking, you should shut up. You said you came here to see him. Obviously, you would think he wanted to hear something that he said. But so many times people, they don't want to hear, they, they don't want to receive. They think they do, but, but they don't. They're so full of their own way. And they've thought it out very thoroughly. And they know exactly what needs to be said and done. And they're totally wrong. But they'll push it till there ain't no use. And then wonder why five years later they're worse than they were. And not be able to put it together. Where healing is concerned. How many times did the Lord tell people to do things? They came and they wanted to be healed and, and many times he didn't lay hands on them. He didn't minister to them. He didn't pray over them. He said, go show yourself to the priest. What if you stood up to the Lord, I want you to pray for me. Touch me. You would not be healed. Remember the noble one? He came and said, Lord, you know, come down and, and heal my son. He's at the point of death. Jesus said, well, uh, turn around and go home. Your son lives. Now, he had a decision to make, didn't he? He's standing there. When he left, the boy was dying. But faith says, if you love the Lord, if you believe in him, what will you do? You will do what he told you to do. Without the reasoning, without the second guessing, without the doubting, you will follow. Amen. 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 Go wash the mud off. They did. Go dip in the river. They did. Go show yourself to the priest. They did. Go home. They did. And they were healed. I said they were healed. 
They were healed. So many times, healing is not going to be a matter of finding the right person or, or getting touched or getting hands laid on you. It's going to be a matter of doing what God told you to do. Amen. Doing it. Obeying. Obeying. Let me, let me finish up with this. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 11 and Luke 16. Find those two openings. Oh, my, I've already gone late. I don't want to just cut it off right here. Give me just a minute, can you? 1 Corinthians 11, are you there? 1 Corinthians 11 and Luke 16. Thank you, Lord. Let me bring this down just a little bit further and closer to home. How do we seek first the kingdom of God? How do we do it? One way we do it is by obeying Him. By following Him. By doing what He told us to do. But that can be a very broad, general thing when you talk about doing what the Lord told you to do. And one of the, most, one of the big ways that you do this is described in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, it says, Be ye followers of me, Paul the Apostle said, even as I also am of Christ. Philippians 3, don't turn there, but it just says, he told them, be followers together of me. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, he said, be followers of us and of the Lord. The Lord told the folk that he ministered to, he said, follow me. As I follow the Lord. Following Him, many and mo- I should say most times, is going to involve other people. Most people are not called to start a church. I'm talking about the, most, the, the greatest majority of the body of Christ. Most people are not supposed to have their own ministry. The, the greatest percentage of the body of Christ are not going to be apostles or prophets. Are teachers, and yet all have a ministry. And most of the body of Christ, God's not going to give them specifically a vision of ministry or a vision for a church. But He will give some, and then He will call many to help them. Is that right? And the 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 ministry, the ninety-five plus percent of what ministry we have today is the result of that very thing. The Lord told me back in 81 to help Brother Hagin. That was it. Help Brother Hagin. So we came to school. I came and sat there in the healing school. How, how do you help people? Now, this is something that folk miss. How do you help? Have, have any of you felt like the Lord told you to help somebody? Help the church. Help this ministry. Help this work of God. Help it. Talking about seeking first the kingdom of God. If he does, how do you do that first? First of all, just show up. Amen. Just show up. Well, I don't know what to do. Just be there. Just show up. So I knew that to show up. I was at the healing school services. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. He was world famous. Nobody knew who I was. I'm first year Ramos student. I'm barely learning things. What do you do? I showed up. I was on the first row every day. I was there with my Bible and my notes every day, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. I was there helping. How can you help? You can pray for people. 
You can believe God. Amen. Amen. And when he stood up and took the pulpit, I'm believing God. Yes, God will give him good utterance. God will lead him. He'll show him. The anointing will be on him. And when he said something good, I said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> and I was hooked. How many of us that people can be on the chair and not be with you? They can be on the chair, but they're not there. But you can be on the chair and be there and be hooked. And I'm telling you, ministers know it. Oh, do they know it. You can tell it. Who you can tell it. That's why sometimes ministers go to one side of the room and just stay there for the whole time. Because <laughs> they got somebody, you know, that's going, I'm with you, yeah, yeah. Amen, that's the Bible, that's right, Brother Keith. Yeah, come on, tell me some more. Whereas if on the other side of the room you got folk going, They're there, but they're not helping. I didn't have a vision. I didn't hear a voice. I just got it in my heart. Help him. And I knew I had it strong. Help him. How? No details. Just help him. Well, he's having these services. He's doing this. So I show up. I'm there every day. Every day. It was a priority to me. Did you hear me now? I made it my priority. I was there. Didn't let anything interfere with it. Didn't let anything keep me out of it. I was always there. I don't think I missed a day. Always there. And they said, we need somebody to greet people at the door. I said, (laughs) we need somebody to register people over to healing school. That means fill out a little card. Ask them, what's your name? Where you live? How long are you going to stay? You know, real heavy stuff. I said, (laughs) so I did it. I had a little clipboard with a little card and. What's your name? What state you're from? And I did, that was my start in the ministry. And then, not too long after that, they said, we need people that will go over to the next room after the service and pray with people that want to get saved and pray with people that want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, <laughs> so I found myself over there. Well, a few months passed, and uh, they were opening up the healing center. And they said, we're going to need some people to train to minister healing to people. And Brother Hagin said, I'm going to train some divine healing technicians. And I thought, wow, boy, that'd be neat. I looked around. I figured probably everybody would want to be in on that, I guess. So that'd be neat. <laughs> and um, it wasn't a few days until they approached me. They, broke, they got me and they got a lady, just two of us out of the whole bunch, out of hundreds. And they said, we want you to start helping. So we started helping in the spring. Not a paid position now. All this is volunteer. But what does that matter? If God's your source, what does that matter? So many times when people talk about, you know, well, God told me to come help, and then they want to know, well, what's the salary going to (laughs) be? Did God discuss salary with you when he told you to go help? I don't think so. And I, yeah, I'm telling you, this is the key thing in folk taking, many people taking churches or going and taking positions or, or going to do meetings. I mean, the, the money is a big deal. If there's no money, then they're not there. And that's why they don't, they're not seeking first. They're not fully following. Well, the months passed. I had the job of playing videotapes of Brother Hagin teaching and preaching. And then they said, you can insert some comments sometime. So I would once in a while, not too often, but I'd stop the tape 
And I'd say, you know, Brother Hagin is talking about this. Glory to God. And I only had enough to go about five minutes. So it was real great. When I ran out, I just turned the tape back on. <laughs> As you can see, I'm not having that problem tonight. But maybe you wish I was still playing the tape. But we did that. And then eventually... Uh, they needed somebody to, they wanted them to speak. And so I was able to do that. And want somebody to play and sing. And man, I thought, God, dear me, I, I don't know if I can do that. Because I was, did not have any ability, uh, any developed ability. And uh, it was tough, but I did it. They wanted me to do it. So I said, okay. I was embarrassed a lot of times. Because I look out across the crowd, and there were people out there that could actually sing. And play, and, and I'm doing it. I'm sure they looked at me a lot of times and thought, can't Brother Hagin get anybody any better than that to, to help him out? I'm sure they felt that. But, hey, that wasn't my problem. They asked me to do it. I was available. Amen. And I did the best I could, and I got better. And then eventually years passed, and they said, we need help in the school. Would you come teach in the school? I said, yeah. So I started teaching at Rama. Had a guy ask me one time, he said, how would you believe to be a Rama instructor? I said, I didn't. <laughs> the Lord said, help Brother Hagin. So I raised my hand. Are you with me now? And yet people don't understand when they're talking about following the Lord. How do you follow the Lord? He will put people, he will put ministries and churches on your heart. And he will say, help them. What does that mean? It means help them. Does their grass need to be cut? Do their shoes need to be shined? Can I run an errand that will save them time? What do, well, I, that's not my ministry. God's called me to be a prophetess. If you do not start at the bottom, you stay at the bottom. <laughs> And just because you got a call on your life to be one, doesn't mean you are one. A call does not mean you're, you're operating there. It's a call. And if you'll be faithful, eventually you'll get to some things. But if not, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. But I'm telling you, God has blessed us and graced us. And the further you go, you, you look up and God's added this to you and he added that to you and promoted you and gave you more revelation and gave you more anointing. And we're still following. Amen. I, I, uh, we've had our own ministry since uh, 84. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I resigned from the school just this past year. And there were some other things that I was doing. And I talked to Brother Hagin, And he said, yeah, you need to get out there. You need to do the, develop and and grow. And I thought, well, I'll do like most people. I'll just go. And about a year into it, the Lord said, I didn't release you from helping him. It's because you have a ministry doesn't mean I released you from helping him. I said, yes, sir. And I jumped back on the track. And now I followed him around all his meetings. And not everybody is necessarily supposed to do that just like that. But did you hear what we're talking about? Follow. And Paul said, follow me as I follow him. There are going to be people involved in this. And if you're too busy with your stuff to help the ones that the Lord told you to help, then you're not seeking first the kingdom of God. And if you're not doing what the Lord told you to do, then you don't really love Him like you think you do. You love you. Amen. You love your life. You, you love your house. You love your car. You love your job. You love your business. You love Whatever's taking your time, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. But I believe I'm looking at some people that are not just playing church, but that they're serious about the things of God. Amen? And realizing that life is short. 
and time is brief. And that all this business and houses and stuff, that's all going to be ashes one day. And so we're stirring up. We're going to follow. We're going to follow fully. We're going to follow all the way. And God tells us to help. We're going to help. Amen. They may get tired looking at us. We're going to go, can I help you? What you need? I'm here. Here's my number. Call me. Call me at midnight. Call me at four o'clock. Call me. I'm ready. And if they call, you go, oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Do it. And do it. Yeah, but I got a business. I got a life. Everybody's got something. Everybody. I could, I could think of a thousand reasons why we didn't help the Hagans with this or that. But priority is priority. Amen. 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 And if there's discrepancy, if there's a distraction, well, you just can your stuff. It's not confusing. Just can your stuff. (laughs) I've done it. I've canceled meetings. I've done things back and front. Just do it. And have been blessed. I said I've been blessed. I've not lacked. I've not wanted. Glory to God. Stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift up our hearts and lift up our hands before the Lord. Let me lead you in a prayer. We've been in these things, immersed in these things for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Said out loud, <coughs> Lord, I hear, Lord, I hear your, words, your words. And I know. And I, know. And I, believe, I believe that I, that I am, to am to seek you first and foremost. And above all that's in my life, open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart and my understanding. Help me to be aware of the shortness of time and the shortness of life and the necessity of your things, your kingdom. Help me to discern between what is important and what is not important. What is spiritual and eternal and what is just flesh and temporary. And help me that I not miss my opportunities or my hour of visitation. When you call on me, whether it be through a person or through the church, or through the work, through a work of yours, help me to realize it. Help me to see and not be distracted, and have the courage to lay everything aside and give you my all and give you my best, and then I will hear, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful." Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.